it's high noon yeah high noon here at mutiny radio on a wednesday you know what that means oh yeah it's time for poetry choose poetry choose life from glasgow scotland with andy talbot and aaron gannon yeah you can't see her we can see her on the zoom and her hair is so cute she just got it done and um you don't get to see her but we do but we get to listen to amazing poetry from all over the world here at mutinyradio.fm in .sf. I'm your host here, Pam Benjamin. We're going to be hooking in to all the joy, beauty, and wonderment that poetry has to bring here from Scotland and beyond, all over the world. So I'm super excited. Every week's exciting. They're letting everyone into the Zoom room, and we're going to be right back. Listening in the fills is Kope out of Japan, the Japanese Bjork. She's so amazing, you listen to her every week. This is the AltaCast. If you miss LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, hey, don't worry about it. She will be calling in at two o'clock on Some Call Me Tim. We'll get the update on what's been going on in the world because I clearly haven't been paying attention. I've been going to outdoor mics and trying to squash beef in the comedy scene here in San Francisco, but everyone's being really safe. Like we distance and we wear masks and we all use our own mic condoms, so don't worry. But we're at Mutiny Radio, enjoy some music. We're gonna get started here with Choose Poetry, Choose Life every Wednesday at high noon. Mutiny Radio. Oh, before I even say that, hey, donate to our GoFundMe. Please, 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 please donate to our GoFundMe, or you can do the Venmo at Mutiny Radio. Thanks. A uh, little bit of music. We'll be right back. or choose poetry choose life sorry and i think we have the announcement that we're on mutiny radio so don't share anything you don't want people worldwide knowing not that i mean you know but it's there (laughs) um and then also uh please 
like we're just gonna say your name um and you should let us know your gender preference and then second this is safe space so don't be a dick um yeah we want people to be we want we do want people to feel free to express what they want but we also are not cool with like the definite like the isms against which things like intersectional feminists are trying to struggle right how's that okay um the time limit i have a question is six minutes but we're not too huge like enforcing it if but again don't be a dick like don't be like oh, <laughs> so yeah but All usually we have enough time for everybody to do what they want so that what do you think andy and this i'm aaron and here's I'm andy. <laughs> and this yeah, is um, that's fun. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. The whole don't be a dick thing, which I'm not going to say because once I start saying it, I just don't stop saying it. I think last week it was something like 12 times in like two minutes. <laughs> I've said it once. That's it. Um, yeah, and also if you have like multimedia stuff, we're very accommodating. I do a lot of multimedia. So if you need to share a screen, like just let us know in the chat, in the comments, and that's great. Um, so I guess without further ado, we have Franco Rianti first. That's the name I got. Hello and welcome. Generalissimo, I believe that's you. Yeah, that's Brian Franco, yes. Brian Franco? Okay, generally. That's a, a name I can get rid of. Don't want to know Okay. Take it away! So I'm from Brunswick, Maine, everybody. Um, so I'll start off with two new poems. Um, first is called Because Dervishes Still Whirl on Hotter Than July Night. I am standing still, stagnating while the world around me is swirling and twirling. My existence is being dizzied by whirling dervishes that may only exist in my imagination by virtue of anxiety or doctor prescribed medication. I feel I've fallen into an eddy, drowning, trying to climb out, fingers haplessly gripping water droplets to no avail but I am not in any body of water except maybe a sweaty pillow on an extremely hot, humid, unair-conditioned July night. I stand by my assessment that Stevie Wonder's Hotter Than July is undisputedly one of the top five soul music albums of all time. I am no longer 54 but 14, obsessed with Stevie's music. Having tried tequila for the first time, having had one or two shots too many, my brother Paul walks me up two flights of stairs to my bedroom, pushes his drunken brother onto my bed and walks away cackling like a Shakespearean witch. I am on my back horizontally on a vertical bed. My brain tries to instruct me how to reorient my head to my pillow. The ceiling starts spinning relentlessly like a possessed wheel of fortune minus a smiling Vanna White. But this is just a memory of a middle-aged man living in self-imposed isolation in a pandemic, who feels like little tornadoes follow him around, selectively sucking 
any common sense or creativity left in his being out from his brain through his ear sockets without lifting his substandard mass into the airborne eddies. Maybe I should follow the advice of the mystic poets who advise to celebrate life by dancing instead of watching others dance. Become a whirling dervish in my own right because the dervishes teach us if we teach ourselves to whirl and twirl, we are not culturally appropriating, but we have learned by watching them how to not let life make us feel falsely busy. Thank you. Um, poem number two is a little different. It's called, When the Salsa Took a Turn for the Better. The year was 1985. After working for eight months at Gearhart's Luggage and Gifts at the Bel Air Mall in Mobile, Alabama, I secured a job as a busboy at Cuco's Mexicana Restaurante. Unfortunately, I was born three months too late to get a job as a waiter. Cuco's made their fresh salsa and 10-gallon plastic trash cans in the walk-in cooler, plump Roma tomatoes, chopped up Vidalia onion, cloves of garlic, jalapenos, lime, juice, and cilantro were expertly pureed into a delightful slight chunkiness with a yard-long industrial immersion blender. They made a new fresh trash can full of salsa every afternoon during the pre-dinner lull. One day before the lunch rush, someone noticed little bubbles in the salsa. The manager noted the extra tang after tasting it, declared it had turned, and decided to throw out close to seven gallons of salsa. Reality check, it hadn't turned, it had fermented. In 1985, not much was generally known about fermentation. I've actually been making fermented pickles and salsa in my home kitchen since 2015. That extra tang and those bubbles that tickle your tongue are filled with probiotics that are good for your gut biome and general health and well-being. Cuco's Mexicana Restaurante could have been on the forefront of serving healthy fermented salsa. Salsa had just outranked ketchup as the most popular condiment in America. But alas, where's a good old fashioned health nut when a restaurant chain needs one? And I'm gonna go ahead and do this piece, which I have to pull off, so bear with me, it's called it might take 40 years for a teenager to realize Tigger is his alter ego. When I was young, I thoroughly loved to dance. I thought I was better than decent at it, even serviceable. I sometimes got compliments, but when I think back, someone will compliment your dance moves because your obvious outward enjoyment might overshadow how truly awkward your dancing looks to everyone else. There isn't anything wrong with that, is there? I've always been chronically uncoordinated and clumsy. The idea that that can magically disappear on a dance floor might be slightly unrealistic. I was less graceful gazelle and cheetah in slow motion, a more puppy dog with legs too long for my body or a newborn giraffe, stumbling on my crooked legs, not knowing my legs are crooked and waiting for them to straighten. There can be grace in that baby giraffe proudly walking around not knowing he is stumbling not knowing when his mama nudges him with her nose that she's trying to straighten his stance, instead think, thinking she's giving him a congratulatory nuzzle, announcing to the other giraffes, look at my amazing boy. That teenage human string bean boy bouncing around a dance floor, goofily smiling, looking more like Tigger 
from Winnie the Pooh than smooth dude with smooth dance moves doesn't know he's a stuffed animal flopping about because no one is willing to say anything. There isn't anything wrong with that, is there? Thank you. Do I have time for one more short one? Yeah, you can do. Oh, right, so let's... Uh, Do this one. It's called Everest Exists in Maine. At the Brunswick, Maine Farmers Market, there are mountains that rival the Himalayas. Mountains of carrots, mountains of beets, mountains of collards and kale. The ghosts of Sir Edmund Hillary in Tenzing, Norway, show up every Saturday for what Mr. Hillary calls a healthy climb and what Mr. Norgay refers to as a tasty day. The Sherpa Norgay guides the expedition through cucumbers and kohlrabi, over radishes and rutabagas across eggplant and purple peppers, and around apples and onions. At the peak, Sir Edmund plants a flag into a Senza, Senza, Scarpe, raspberry, Senza Scarpe Farm raspberry rhubarb half moon hand pine he will later split with his Nepali companions. They lay out a yak wool blanket, sit, and enjoy the view whilst eating a refreshing salad of lemon, cucumbers, green zebra tomatoes, and French breakfast radishes and a dressing of Coppertail Farm goat yogurt, Goan artisan miso, and chopped Watley Farm flowering Tulsi basil with a dash of white pepper. They finish their meal with the hand pie. Hillary says, that most certainly qualified as yummers. Norgator responds, you better believe it, Bubba. Then they let out a happy sigh in unison. Thank you. Thank you. Generalissimo Franco. I'm just going to call you Generalissimo from now on. Uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> I enjoy that. I, I might have to readopt it. Okay. Generalissimo. <laughs> I just like saying it. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> okay. I, I totally, there, oh, I went to um, undergrad in, in Redlands, California at the University of Redlands. And our main taco place was called Puka's. So when I, like, I thought I missed her, I was like, oh my God! Like, it's like a religion for us, like at the, at that university, it's Puka's. But that's in Redlands, it's in Southern California. So, but anyways, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, Kuko, ours is Kuka's, not Kuko's. Behind me is a plate of Kuka melons. Oh, gotcha, right. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you so much. Okay, so with the Jeff Cottrell, Cottrell, you are next. There I am. Hello. Here you are. Did I say that right? Um, it's supposed to be Cottrell, but I don't, I don't correct people when they say Cottrell because it sounds classier. Okay. <laughs> whatever you want, whatever. That's more meetings. Trill. I'm having weird color issues with my camera today, so I'm, I, it looks like I look kind of fuzzy and I don't know. You look like you're from the 70s, and I think that's cool. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Okay. So speaking of the 70s, um, here's the erotic portion of the evening. This is called Dreamboat. Oh, Jeff. Oh. Oh. Every time you speak in that high, whiny little voice, it turns me on. Every time you forget to say thank you for my small, thoughtful gestures, 
It makes me feel hot. Every time you chew your food with your mouth open, it drives me crazy with raging, throbbing lust. Oh, Jeff. Every time you say rude, insensitive, inappropriate comments and then wonder why I'm not laughing, it gets me wet. Oh, Jeff, there's so much that I treasure about you. I love knowing that you're 46 years old and still have never made more than $46,000 a year. I love the way you refuse to suck in your gut in public. I revere your junk food addiction. I love that you can't take in more than two drinks without turning into a grumpy, sullen bore. I adore the gross, putrid way the skin on your hands cracks in winter. I worship your perpetual acne problem. I venerate your domestic laziness. I cherish the childlike tantrums you throw when your computer freezes at work or when you miss the bus by seconds. I relish that creepy way you avoid eye contact during casual conversations and that creepier way you force eye contact during serious ones. I dote on the way you complain constantly about everything wrong with your life while blaming everybody except yourself. I love knowing that you will never be a hero. I embrace the way you recite long, poorly edited prose monologues at public readings, or in this case, Zoom, and have the gall to expect us to call it poetry. Please try to sell me your merch, Jeff. Please keep shoving your CDs and chapbooks in front of me. Beg me to come to your shows. Assault me with relentless spastic neediness. No matter what I say, keep hard selling me like Shelley Levine on speed. You have no idea how that hits my G-spot. I can't wait any longer, Jeff. Climb under these sheets with me and seduce me with meaningless pop culture quotations. I wanna hear some Simpsons dialogue, Jeff. The more obnoxious, the better. I want you to recite some of Monty Python's worst sketches, loudly, in a gruesomely bad Cockney accent. I want to see that quizzical look you give whenever someone brings up any musical act post-1996. I want to watch you turn up your nose pompously and feign ignorance every time someone mentions sports. I want you to hold my body in those thin, veiny, underworked arms and rattle off pointless trivia that bears no relevance to anything in my life. Trivia about old French movies, Warner Brothers cartoons, Charles Dickens serials, Vonnegut novels, Beatles lyrics, Who albums, long forgotten cola commercials from your childhood, Academy Award statistics, and of course, the JFK assassination. What more could a worldly and discriminating woman want in a life partner? Why would I possibly want a man with a six pack? Why would I settle for soul deconstructing sex with someone who works out? What would I want with a lawyer or an athlete or anyone who can play the guitar? What would I do with a man who listens to me, comforts me, believes in me, and makes me feel good? What use do I have for confidence, self-sacrifice, empathy, and a deep understanding of the female point of view? Why would I want a man with a level of emotional maturity higher than a six-year-old's or with social skills ranking above those of a mentally challenged monkey? Why, Jeff? Why would I wish for any of these things when I have you? Thank you. That was called Dreamboat. I hope you could handle that.
That was um, amazing. It was so fun. Did I, if I have time for another one, um, did I do the moon poem last week? I don't remember what I did last week. Nah, okay. If, you, if you've heard this before, then congratulations, you're hearing it again. Um, so it's been a tradition throughout the centuries in poetry to write verse to, to the moon. You know, ever since the ancient times, the Greeks and Romans, all the way through the Romantics, and even today, you know, it's it's been a thing that's gone on. So this is my attempt to join that immortal tradition of romanticized verse about the moon. This is called An Ode to the Moon. Fuck you, moon! Seriously, go bugger yourself, crater face. You think you're so cool at all with all your moon rocks? Dick. Oh, look at me. I'm the moon. I make people go crazy when I turn full. I use my gravitational pull to cause tidal waves. Frank Sinatra sang songs about me. Michael Jackson did a dance named after me. I run circles around your crappy little planet. Literally. I'm the moon, baby, and you ain't never setting foot on me, sucker. Yeah, well, go suck on a, on a, on a sucking piece of Something, sucko, stupid moon. How many astronauts have visited you lately, huh? How many, you pockmarked bastard? Been a while, hasn't it? As in, a 47-year while. Why don't the astronauts like you anymore, moon? What did you do to creep them out? Did you say something to offend them? Did they catch you doing it with their significant others? Why doesn't NASA ever call anymore, moon? Maybe it's because you're... I don't know, a big jerk? You're not really made of cheese, but you are cheesy. Remember when Georges Méliès made that movie in which that spaceship hit you in the eye? Well, he should have used a bigger spaceship, one that would have wiped out your whole dumb, stupid face. Or he could have sent up a nuclear bomb and blown you into a million billion moon bits. Except they didn't have nuclear energy back in 1980. Okay, scratch that one. Hey, moon. You know the difference between you and your mom? There's only one man in the moon. Stop peeking in my window every night, you pervert. Somebody ought to moon you, moon. You shiny, pie-faced wanker. You think you're timeless, but you're just a phase. Percy Shelley once wrote about you. Art thou pale for weariness of climbing heaven and gazing on the earth? Wandering companionless among the stars that have a different birth? Ha, ah, yeah, you hear that, moon? Companionless, because who'd be your companion, the lunar loser? It's only a paper moon. Sea moon, you're just paper. Well, scissors cuts your paper, and I've got scissors. Yeah, hard quality metal scissors made out of the rock of the earth. Wait, okay, I know they say paper covers rock, but no, that's bullshit. Rock is strong and crushes paper too. Yeah. Stupid moon. You know that Jupiter moon, Io? I hear Io's got more than 400 working volcanoes. Where are your volcanoes, moon? I hear you used to have some pretty good ones back in the day. But now you've got an old moon, and your volcanoes have dried up into dark Maria, and there ain't no giant cosmic Viagra out there to bring them back. No, sir. You're a jerk, moon. A complete knee-biter. I'm going to send you to the moon, moon. 
you sun-reflecting, tide-causing, total-eclipsing, poet-inspiring, poo-drumming, freighter-hoarding, river-widening, flying bicycle-backdrop-scenery-supplying, monolith-hiding, son-of-a-fucking-fuck-faced-fuck-headed fucker. Think about that. Next time you beat me to pinochle. This is my beautiful ode to the moon. Thank you. I was out here last week, so if you did that, I didn't see it. So I was, I'm not a reliable witness, but that was awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, so next, I believe, well, Am Emily Francis Willis. I think Emily stopped like, going away and coming back. And here we are. Emily, are you there? Emily no okay thanks Holly um all right we will come back to Emily and so then after that is Carolyn are you ready to go Carolyn hi hi hello hi how are you I'm okay good to okay. see you yeah good to see you yeah it's good to be back okay so um hi. I'm gonna oh this one full screen I'm gonna do um I'm very excited because I got a piece published in what I call quite a proper thing this week. I'm going to be in Gutter magazine. I can say I'm in the gutter. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. So I'm going to share with you what I what is going to be. I think it's being published. Um, I think the end of this month. So yeah, I know this month. What am I saying? It's a little blase. It, um, anyway, so it's kind of um, about cheery things like uh, getting old, death, mental health, and uh, across both Japanese and British cultures. And it's sort of seven short little verses, I guess. Let me get my screen up. Called Staying Alive. On granny dumping. Ubasute is a Japanese myth which roughly translates as granny dumping. Should a matriarch inconveniently reach the age of 70, it would be the duty of her eldest son to carry her on his back up to the top of Mount Narayama and leave her there to die. In modern day rural Scotland, the more conventional method of ubasute is to let the social services find a bed in the local care home. I dumped mine there just over a year ago. on shoving granny's aft buses. According to the lyrics of the well-known Scottish song, it's not acceptable to shove your mammy's mammy off the bus, but perfectly okay to shove your other granny because she's just your daddy's mammy. You wonder if these lyrics were written by the same person who thinks young children will grasp the satire behind Rockabye Baby. You also wonder if this song is really the most appropriate choice for the residents of your mammy's care home to be singing at their Wednesday afternoon entertainment. On dying alone. Kodokushi. To die alone in Japan is becoming the new normal. 
Why do I call the mother of my ex-husband now? She is still my daughter's Obachan. There is no mountain for Obachan's son to climb. Instead, he installs a surveillance camera and watches her movements from his home 450 kilometers north. She's hard of hearing too. He's shouting at the screen again, mother, the red light is flashing. There's someone at the door. Gaman is a central theme of Japanese society, meaning perseverance, endurance without complaint. On people from Edinburgh, all fur coats and no knickers, she says. Dementia has unleashed and sharpened my mother's wit and daring. It's unpredictable and can cause embarrassment, but every now and then she comes up with a good one. I probably shouldn't have asked her to give advice to my daughter though. Cross your legs and keep out of trouble, she says. My granny Angus was from Edinburgh. She had a fur coat that her husband brought back from his time with the Hudson Bay Company in Canada. On dementia awareness, I'm telling lies and that's the truth. She's not stupid, but certain synapses in my mother's brain are misfiring. It's not all just about forgetting things. My local Tesco's has a relaxed lane and calls itself dementia friendly, but every three months it moves the cereals. On Kusama Yayoi. By day, she draws dots, red and yellow and black and white. Kusama finds solace in dots. It's her coping mechanism for the auditory and visual hallucinations that have forced her by her own free will to retire to the confines of a mental institution at night. She will be 90 in March and you can't help but think there's a bit of exploitation going on here. You imagine poor Kusama being dragged out of the cozy confines of her room in the psychiatric hospital every morning to run the polka dot treadmill of the polka dot production line in her polka dot factory. Genius, driven. Her face is neither happy nor sad, angry nor elated. Who is benefiting from this therapy? She is quite literally dotty. The country that bore her, then cast her out, then gave her no solace, is now reaping the fruits of her labour. Later, when you search YouTube for interviews with her, you take notes. Obsessed, possessed. She speaks in a nervous, clipped manner. She speaks like she's having a panic attack. On the verge, she has broken through, but is she now breaking down? And this is the last one. On the wee, jaggy teeth of maggots. Val McDermott delights in telling us about the maggot mass discovered by police in a house raid in Liverpool. In the forensics lab, cocaine was detected on the ends of the wee maggots jaggy teeth, which confirmed their suspicions that the body, which the maggots had completely devoured, was that of a wanted drugs baron. There is still a skeleton when Japanese police found Mrs. Ito's neighbor in the housing complex in a Tokyo suburb. It took three years for the smell to make its way through her floorboards. Her neighbor had been 69 years old and beetles as well as maggots had feasted on him. In comparison, the maggot mass was somewhat smaller, but would the smell have been any bigger? What size do smells come in? That's it. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. And um, congratulations on Gutter too.
It comes out next week? Or is it, is it, are they doing a print version? They are? Okay. I don't know why she's reading. Did you read it yourself? Yeah, it's out, it's out um, at the end of the month in print. Yeah, it's a real. Oh, right now. <laughs> and I've got 25 pounds. Yay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Gutter is expensive. Uh, no, 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 they gave me 25 pounds. Oh, oh, oh. I took, well, okay, but I still think it's better. <laughs> um, hey, that's awesome. Yay. Um, yeah, next, okay. Well, oh, and also, I thought, I, now, just before I forget, um, so Choose Poetry, Choose Life kind of started um, through the um, stay-at-home fringe that happened last May. And we're rallying up the band again. I just started this week, so like, I, like any, anyways, just everybody stay tuned for. And also, if any, like, so basically, Stay at Home Fringe was um, just a bunch of workshops and readings and like authors, re like speak, like talking and blah blah blah. A bunch of events that happened over three weeks in like mid May. I think it started. No, it started in late April and then it ended like sort of mid-May and we're doing one again that sort of kind of coinciding with the beginning of the school year um so if anybody has ideas that for like a workshop or like a theme centric reading where you have you know you get a group together and read please uh let me know in like via the email through the website because we're starting to do planning for events for the fringe for the fall fringe so anyways that's just a thing i just re realized that that's like kind of the last time you and i saw each other carolyn so that's why and i i would forget i didn't it now so um okay so then our next reader is the inimitable aj mckenna hello darling hi aaron um so yeah, uh, I'm AJ McKenna. <laughs> Hi, I'm, can everyone hear me okay? Sure, awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm AJ McKenna. My pronouns are she, her. Um, and this is kind of an old one. Um, it's slightly out of date uh, when it comes to uh, the medication I'm taking these days. Um, I'm doing this for a friend of mine who had knee surgery today. So this is Fallon. I was on the bus to work when I first heard of Fallon Fox, and I shivered as I read about the battle she was fighting inside the octagon where she faced other women, and outside it, where bigots who had not done anti-androgens tried to claim she had unfair advantages, the same old crap about our larger handedness, our denser bones, our greater level of testosterone, pub bore machismo given pseudo-scientific sanction and cachet, generalization draping like a negligee over the phrenologic nonsense with which Cesare Lombroso flattered bourgeoisie with what they all already claim to know, but understand. When I wrote this, I was only on finasteride and was already weaker when I exercised and still couldn't fight within the guidelines Fallon had to work inside. I still wasn't girl enough to satisfy commissioners. They'd insist that my transition was insufficiently advanced for competition, while Fallon is officially thought feminine enough because she is feminine enough. 
And the only thing about her that is intrinsically tough is that she knew that this would happen when she stepped inside a cage. And yet she still threw her hands up and walked right into the rage because a samurai goes forward. That's the essence of jujitsu. You get right inside and neutralized before they get to hit you. And you prove them wrong even as they maintain your gender is an issue because you fight girls that are bigger. You fight girls that are quicker. You take on girls who stand there with a more masculine figure than you ever had. Establishing the edge they claim you have is fiction and still winning by knockout twice and one time by a submission. But every time I read about the fights that she was winning, I felt the same ice knife of fear daggering within me as I feel when I stand here and I wonder if you hear me, because for queers, the secret counterpoint we're hearing underneath the clapping and the cheering is the thought we might be overreaching. And secretly, you're hoping someone teaches us a lesson. Secretly, you want to see us wrestle with depression like a jobber on the undercard. Sure, hope sports get you hot. But secretly, you really want to see us being squashed. And so I knew that they were waiting for the fight that Fallon lost. And yes, they got it. At the hands of Ashley Evans Smith, Fallon went down. They rubbed their hands. They got their wish, but that was not enough. They had to go the whole damn hog. Ashley claimed that somehow she had been the underdog, despite the tale that hate told, and the bigots all connived in it. Because they wanted to maintain that she had slain some kind of giant when she simply beat a woman, did no more and did no less. It was an L in Fallon's record. Nothing else. Losses are taken in the early stages of a fight career, and hers was nascent. What defines the cost of loss is how you take it. And Fallon took it better than the Victrix did her victory because she used defeat to teach that she was reaching for equality, the right to lose as much as win, judged only on the quality of muscle and technique, the way it should be in a ring, a cage, or any competition. And the logic of accepting that fight's TKO decision is that the loss renders the victories legitimate, just as our life acquires its value and our living it without allowing bigotry to limit it. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, do I, uh, how, how long have I been on for? Has that been? You can um, do another one. Absolutely. Okay. I love that, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. That was fantastic. Um, this, this is another old one. It's from the same um, pamphlet. That I, I did a pamphlet of a bunch of these poems in, uh, the year, in the year I'd written them, and it was one that I only sold at gigs, so it's like not online or anything. So um, anyway, this is The Secrets Almost Silent that we sang. It has to start in whispers, rehearsed behind closed doors, mirror-practiced gestures, slowly savoured words, Jacquard, Damask, Devoray, rolled and tasted on the tongue. It is always sotto voce, this song, when first it is sung. And for some, it never rises to a higher tone and pitch. For some, the song is silenced by the insults by the fists, by a slow and steady grinding, or a sudden hateful axe, by the endless daily sniping, by a world of turning backs. But I pray our song keeps going, and I hope that it gets loud, to the point where there is no one who cannot hear its sound, to the point where every single voice that wants us quiet drowns in a never-ending 
chorus in a sea of singers, crowd, no more content to sit and whisper, cowed to silence by the noise of those who tell us that we're twisted, who say that it's a choice, when we can no more choose these feelings than our skin can pick its shade. But there is one thing we can choose, and that's not to be afraid. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Thanks so much. I always kind of want to give you a hug through the screen after you're done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. Anyways, virtual hug. I don't even know what, how do you do, like, there's got to be a virtual hug, right? Like, what is that? Like, I don't, no. <laughs> is it like elbows? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, okay, so Bat was supposed to be going, and he told me to give his face to Flavia. Are you go? Do you want to go, darling? Shake your head, yes or no? Okay, great. <laughs> Flame Bart. It's a kid on my lap. Oh, sweetie! Okay, I'm gonna turn myself off. <laughs> I got a couple of things for you today. One of them is not really a poem. It's the beginning a short story I'm writing, and I would like you to hear it. I promise it won't be long. It's, 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 it's a work in progress, and it's very slow, because I like to focus on description and small things, uh, because uh, the story is kind of based on what I feel and what I think. And there's things in my life that are very small and seem meaningless to others, but I, I, I make a big deal out of them. And that's one of the many things I want to express with this story. The name of the story is Provisional, and it's I met Rashid by chance, not by destiny, but by chance. There's a lot of poetics involved in this, but it's not really a poem. It's distinct prose. I walk, I work in a marble cubicle, sitting in a chair which seems to be made of obsidian, but it's actually just a stained skin of a dead cow, of a dead goat, of a dead dog. Not that the species would matter, it is still a dead animal that I'm sitting on. My workplace, which is always engulfed in an infernal deafening silence, except for the times which are reserved for the boss to step out of her luxurious monoperson office to shout her anger out just because she got her wage shrunk in a couple of hundred dollars by her own boss, a boss who we have never seen in person ourselves. An office that's a swarm of diverse moribund bees and wasps, a swarm surrounded by white yet thin speckless clean panels of glass, windows which are day and night cleaned by humble raccoons who hang from an unstable rusty swing, they got bags below their eyes, pockets emptier than mine, and just a white towel hanging on their gyms. I gaze down every time I have a chance and wonder when the net hanging protruding from the bottom floor got installed, not even death 
is a viable emergency exit now. We sit in our cubes from 8 a.m. ahead. We get an email every morning at 8.30 from someone named Rashid that walks at the office. The email is filled with gorgeous words and sentences that would sting your heart at any time. This email is intended to motivate us to, well, basically to not lose our minds. Every day we are allowed 20 minutes to fill our bowels and our bladder with our cheap sodas and our homemade meals. Every day we are allowed 20 minutes that we should use for emptying our bowels or our bladders. I tend to trick the hours by sneaking past the boss during office time. I would run up the stairs towards the rooftop just to sit a while and gaze through the skyscrapers because there are no stars in a chemically clouded sky. It's Monday, another day that matters not the number. I woke up from an intermittent six hour slumber in between nightmares. I broke the fast with some whole grain rolled oats and the cheapest soy milk found sitting upon the alabaster shelves of the most crowded supermarket. I was about to leave my dwelling when the cactus on my tiny dining table started to move and grow at a pace I have never seen before. It grew legs and started to walk. It slowly guides towards me. It morphed into a green and spiky doppelganger of myself. It slowly approached while I was standing there upon the wooden planks of my shelter apartment until it got so close that it spread its arm, its arms wide and green, trapping my body with the sweetest the most painful hug I was ever to be given. I was breathing in disbelief, crying of pleasure because of the affection and gasping in pain. The thorns sought my bones, penetrated my soft skin and reached my heart to make it bleed both emotions and blood. Then I snapped out. The clock was ticking. It was but another trick that my brain played on me. Walk starts at eight. And it's eight, and it's eight, and it's eight, and it's eight. I stood and gazed with traumatized eyes upon the clickety clack of the clock. It was already open. For some reason, I cared not to care about. Because just like I don't remember to remember, at times, I don't care to care. And that would be like the first page of the story. And as I said, it's a walk in progress. And, and I guess now I got to ask if there's more time for me. I still have one more left. Okay. This poem was written in anger and pain because I spent weeks debating and arguing with people on the internet about racial issues in the US. And as a matter of fact, the internet is full of jerks conservatives, Republicans, and pieces of shit. And they are kind of the reason why I've written this. It's a poem called An Asphyxiating Mockingbird. It's kind of cringy, but I hope it works. Blue lives this, blue lives that. But even cops that are black are getting denied their rights. You take your uniform off and nice, but their skin is not a cloth, you are not a moth. America seems to be a fishing crawler, 
making millions while some only make a dollar, squishing their pockets till there's nothing. Some still wear chains and collars, exploited, discriminated upon, lynched and killed. That's the fate of those that happen to be born with a different genetic build that does not adhere to the norm. Racists running the government, racists filling the parliament, racists roaming the streets, racists beating up buckets. We seem to be biophilic and necrophilic at the same time. They are screwing the living and the dead alive. And then they dare ask for democracy to come along. And then they try to mask it with bars, stars, and a song. But now I sing. Oh, say, can you see all the dead victims in the streets? All the children that cannot access higher education? unless they risk their lives in the Middle East in the name of the nation. Oh say, can you see all the ghetto dwellers are just trying to live? All the black mothers are attempting their children to feed, but we are too busy giving tax cuts to the rich. Oh say, can you see all the blacks, Mexicans, natives and nations are just trying to breathe, but there's a giant need from their gorgeous gills. No air goes through the pain that thrills. Oh say, does it not give you the chills that there's families that cannot pay the bills? You deny them the right to live just because of the color of the skin. Oh say, can you really not see that there's mockingbirds asphyxiated by Nazis? Oh say, can you see that we all turn blue if we cannot breathe. And that's it. Oh, as always, thank you for having me. <laughs> Just thank you. I really enjoyed the meeting. Thank you, Fabio. Thanks for coming in. How much long, how much do you have done on the first piece? Much more. Well, I recited to you the first page, but there's another page that I've done. It was meant to be a short story, but it's getting kind of long, because I like slow writing. It's quite good, but... Okay, so, uh, Emily, are you ready to go? Or... Should we postpone? one more time. Okay, um, so we'll do, I, well, so I'm on the list, so I'll go. Um, my, my readings, my poems are also about drugs. I feel like people have, that like, I know AJ read about drugs, so these are about drugs also. Um, Okay, so the first one, oh, that's okay, Emily, don't worry about it. Um, we'll just work it out. We're every week, so it doesn't matter. Um, all right, so this first one is called The Rails. I know, everybody funny. Now you funny too. I got nowhere to sleep, my lady. It's cold and it's raining and it's shaking through you. You know everybody funny, cause they expect a little wild thing from that alley, spitfire song. Then smear on that lip gloss, honey. The man with the coin wants a smile, calls you baby. 
Sling him some swing, but don't be messing long. Suddenly comes the liquid trance, all mascara in your pantyhose. You know ain't no dancing in these K-holes. You only front your groove. You don't move. Walls will undulate, no fear, child. Everybody run and hustle, let that shit hold before they take to getting hostile, before they take a shine to the way you'd roll a bright mark for passing perfidy. You'll find the right comrades, follow your nose, seek others in mercury flight, your bed for the night. The light swelling in the sky grows, fingers twitching, cry hallelujah, everybody funny, the walls breed a freak show, prey start to glow. Predators slink from the witching, now you funny too. The powder they peddled surely backfired, no power to the blind, their ratchet schemes burnt on live wires, thank God. Everybody funny, now you funny too. So that's the first one. Sort of like a tenderloin ecstasy evening. And the next one is called Taco Joe's in Brixton. And it's about my first time on ecstasy in London at Taco Joe's in Brixton. Everybody had both feet on the floor, but the floor moved them. All tapes that fell off a speaker, everybody fell off their feet and they had to stomp to maintain, stomp and grind to maintain the swish and swirl, the tin foil sword stripes of the synthesizer in the music, rattling the walls of Taco Joe's in Brixton. In Taco Joe's in Brixton, each dance can go deeper below the bass drum, but your, but your breath has to be like the beat through the nose. Below the bass drum, there is an idea of fire in a black desert or a clear pond in a cave, the silent space between heartbeats. Everything comes from here. The ceiling in Taco Joe's had stucco crumbs that danced. Marianne was looking at it. She had one hot pair of leather pants and an exquisitely long can of beer, held swaying at arm's length. The waves began at her hips. She used them to stir the air, a ripple moving up with a leg brought to the waist for a spin. When Marianne lifted her hands and spread her fingers, beams of clear liquid streamed out of each one. She had gas pump fingers. She looked up and realized that she had moved everything. The smile cracked the static. A man's elbow slipped off the bar, spilling his cocktail, and the woman he was impressing did not look at him again. The lighter poised at the chamber of a bong in the white, bright bathroom stall ran out. No one could have done anything to prevent or contain it, but everyone pronounced her lovely and decided not to bother her dancing. And that is the end. I'm only reading two this week. Um, thank you. Um, do we want to do one more? Do you want to go for a break? What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I was thinking we'd go for a break. Be cool. Cool. Come back at like so, 10 past. Yeah, 10 past. That sounds good. But Sweet. before we go for a break, I want to say, Aaron, that first one is an amazing song. Like, there was so much Thank rhythm, you. and it was like a chorus kept coming back, and about being funny, and about I, I loved it. I was like, oh, when's yeah. she gonna put it to music? Because it's, I know you it's, like write songs or whatever anyway too, and it just it felt like the cadence of it, and it just felt like a song. It's really really great. Yay. Two things about it. Uh, everybody funny, you funny too. Is John Lee Hooker right? Oh. <laughs> Every poet is a but, piece. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I, like, I just riffed on that quote. Everybody funny. Now you funny too. 
But also, what's his face? Um. Oh God. It's just like you know who does bad to the bone. Which is oh, George Thorogood. That's how too. It's from one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. Everybody funny. Now you funny too. Anyway, but also it's exactly George Herbert's the collar syllable and rhyme scheme. Oh, damn, girl, and deep. Working the puzzle. <laughs> Working the poetry puzzle. I'm a freak show. Anyways, all right. I'm gonna go have, on that on that geeky ass note. I'm gonna go smoke. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in ten minutes. Enjoy these mutiny radio commercials and we'll be back with more choose poetry choose life the second half here on mutiny radio.fm and .sf zooming all the way live from glasgow scotland yay yay are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts are ye on a raft without a pattern well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Anti-Trump is the antivirus, or antibody, to the Trump virus. We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19th, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old. He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic health care systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um, what, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, move that bitch, move that bitch. And, uh, and uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it, you know. I've arrived. Why should I move? 
I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. One one five three four zero one nine seven six, and it does not spell anything. One one five three four zero one nine seven six. Go for it. Call in, guys. jokes and they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements no way what is this dang nabbit thing called it's joke workshop joke workshop yep every monday 6 to 8 p.m on the mutant radius so you're saying i could tell my jokes every monday 
from six to eight? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, six to eight p.m.s at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean... If anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pam Dastics books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics, it's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pam Tastics deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to ten p.m. And I laugh because five dollars—I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> you uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on the podcast by, with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%. Right, I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full-length movies. Let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next month. What's up, Oakland? Have you been missing out on live music and comedy? Remember Killer Dinners? Don't worry about a thing, because Soul Sausage Presents Pan Dementia has brought you the hottest, freshest, sexiest new beast in the Bay Area. The Oakland Unicorn Speakeasy Comedy and Dinner Club in Koreatown, Northgate. Featuring comedians from NBC, MTV, Comedy Central, Soul Sausage TV, and YouTube. Tickets and packages, showtimes, and information are all at oaklandunicorn.com. Sponsored by Soul Sausage, Retisk Electronics, and True Healing Collective. Grand opening weekend, August 6th through 9th. Featuring Kabir Singh and Xander Beltran. Tickets on sale now at oaklandunicorn.com. That's oaklandunicorn.com. 
Choose Life here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm one of your co-hosts, Pam Benjamin. We also have Erin Gannon. She just sat back down in Glasgow, Scotland. Also, Andy Talbot is here bringing us all the poetry. We've got the regular group of readers. It was great to see Flavius again. I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. He's been writing new projects. Some really interesting stuff from him. New guys. This uh, Jeff Cottle guy, the hilarious moon poem that we heard in the one about... Uh, Loving him, hating himself, loving himself and hating himself. Very, very funny stuff. Uh, and then Aaron stuff. But if you guys listen every week to this, to the Alta Cast and to Choose Poetry, Choose Life, you get to, it's like our lives and everybody's, I just, I'm so excited about being a part of this group and um, getting to hear everybody's work every week. So I'm going to plug us back in, everybody. Are you ready to go, sir? I'm trying to unmute. Uh, well, what? Let me uh, unmute. Weird. Unmute. Maybe if I cancel the spotlight video, it will let me mute or unmute. That's so weird. Right. Hold on. There we go. Something weird with the interface. <laughs> I think you have to unmute yourself, Ross. Technical difficulties, difficulties, technical difficulties. Because I'm just asking you to unmute. Yeah, Zoom. You got Ross. Zooming in, figuring it out. Christine's so cool. She doesn't even have to be on mute. She's just quiet there, just chilling. Does this seem to be working? Almost. There also seems to be two Rosses. Oh, are there? Oh, that's why. Yes. Ha 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 ha. Oh, we got three Candy's kitty Katie. Everyone has kitties. Cutest kitties. Mine is outside fighting with a hedgehog. Oh my gosh! Hedgehog's cute. Oh, Cat's cuter. The one down there. That one. That one's loud. So 
Ross, you are unmuted now. Can you say something? I'm a crazy cat lady, but not in the way you think. I want to shave my cat. I want to knit a sweater out of his fur, and I want to make him wear Okay, it. Andy, you're next. That's because I'm a crazy yep. cat lady. Cool. Andy's next. Uh, yeah. And I'll mute myself. Wait. Um, I haven't read this before. I already wrote a few of this. Um, I haven't been writing a lot. Um, I've been back at work a couple of weeks now, and it's mostly just been that I guess getting used to being at work again. Um this is just something I wrote when I was driving the other day, just about how just people you don't know how you can get to know them or not even get to know them. I don't know. I'm just gonna read it instead of talking shit. Have a title. I knew that cat was going to be loud. <laughs> what? I'm busy. But anyway, I love, I love them really. It's cute. The comfort of a stranger, fresh eyes without judgment, skin against new skin with a scent unfamiliar, yet somehow appealing. This home could be my home. That bed could be my bed. That smile you smiled the first time I spoke your name aloud could be my smile. It's different from the one you wear in the company of others. In your company, I find myself content. Not content as in this will do, I'll settle this, or even this is good enough. But the kind of content where time loses all meaning, though there's never enough. And I find myself wishing I could stay. Could I? Could I stay here? Thanks. This is the noisy one. Hi. Oh, actually. You suck. Yeah, um, I'm done. I literally only had one thing. Yeah, like I haven't been writing a lot. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you. You wrote it while you were driving. Oh, I kept pulling over. Yeah, yeah. So it was like go a little bit. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm, yeah, don't do that. Castle. That sounds like Los Angeles or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. So then, uh, you want to try Ross again? Mm -hmm. um, hold on, let's see. Huh, that's weird. Ross, are you? I think he's unmuted at this point. No, asked to unmute. And now you are unmuted, Ross. But strangely, if you're talking, we can't hear you. Oh well. Um. Okay, Stilly, are you ready to go? Yeah. Can I uh, have the screen and all of the 
Yes, 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 yes. Hold on. I will make you co-host. Thank you very much. Right then. Okay, so I'm going to do a, um, a poem that's very, very old. Uh, this is one of the first ones that I wrote. At, um, uh, well, it's about 12, 14 years ago, something like that. Um, and it is a, um, 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 a horror uh, tale. So uh, any of you who are... Um, who are worried about that sort of thing, please leave now. Uh, otherwise, uh, please enjoy. Can everyone see what I, I, I can see? Both my front side, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you can see. So, uh, yes, <clears throat> here we go then. This one is called <clears throat> The Twisted Stick. Twas the last night in June, and under the moon, the fire was fading fast, as each camper told a story of old each scarier than the last. One told the yarn of a haunted barn which he'd learned by heart of his gran. Another went pale and recited the tale of a headless ice cream man. As the firelight faded, the stories came jaded and each were forced to drone on about shocks they'd read of in books and off the twilight zone. And just as one was about to go on with a Stephen King that he knew, a voice rang sharp from out of the dark. What's next then, Scooby-Doo? Then from out of the shadows towards the shadows, a hunchback did appear with eyes that seemed cursed and breath that seemed worse. And he screamed at all that would hear. I'll tell thee a tale, a terrible tale of grief, despair and dread. So people beware, it'll make all the hair stand up on the back of your head. I'll tell thee a tale, a horrible tale of dread, despair and grief. So people take heed, it'll make your gums bleed all the way to the back of your teeth. I'll tell thee a tale, a monstrous tale, that'll scare you to the quick. It's a tale, every one, about a ghostly nun who carried a twisted stick. This tale, so it be, was first told to me by a distant friend called Boz, who was all in his tod, with no home and no job, homeless and hopeless he was. With no food or heat, he begged on the street and became a deplorable creature, so much so, in fact, that in a desperate act, he became a geography teacher. An agency firm quickly found him a term at a local Catholic academy. And by the next day, Boz was teaching away at St. Ogbert's RC Primary. Although not prodigious or slightly religious, Boz lied in his interview and said he'd been called by a sign from the Lord, which he'd seen in a relief map of crew. By the final school bell, Boz had taught all he could tell about the tundra and oxbow lakes, the climate of Darwin, arable farming, and how to measure earthquakes. When the last child had gone, and safely alone, Boz dined on sweets confiscated. And then with a mattress, a globe, and an atlas, he slept and for morning awaited. But then in the room, through the dark and the gloom, came a sound which shattered his napping. A ghostly nun lingered with a stick at her fingers, on which a desk she went tapping. Tap, 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 went the stick. Tap, 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 six times quick, and again and again it went on. Tap, 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 it continued so fast that you'd think you'd go mad if it carried on long. Tap, 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 until all of a sudden it ended. And then with a yell, which seemed to come straight from hell. The nun through the window transcended. Without sound, without sight, it flew into the night, leaving Boz in the silence and dark, where he stayed until dawn, all in shock, all alone, 
and with thirty-two school books to mark. All of that day Bos fretted away about the nun which had caused him such fright. And just as he feared, the ghost reappeared at about the same time the next night. After three nights continuous, Bos became curious and asked to the staff their opinion. If they'd seen something similar, if these sticks seemed familiar, but each teacher completely ignored it. Only the caretaker was there willing to make a suggestion as to what had gone on and told Boz in confidence that the ghost in question was none other than Sister Yvonne. Sister Yvonne, the caretaker went on, taught here in Edwardian days when nuns and priests were the only school teachers and they taught in the strictest of ways. Sister Yvonne outscared everyone when it came to class discipline and armed with her rod and the teachings of God, she frightened away thoughts of sin. But if the rumors were true, then one day she threw herself out of the classroom window and her strange suicide, which the church soon denied, was never explained or gone into. Twas then in that twinkling, Boz had an inkling to find out the truth of the case. Why had she died and why had the school tried to cover up a disgrace? All through the night and using torchlight, Boz searched in the files for the facts. And armed with the register, Boz made a list of the pupils which Yvonne had taught last. Telephone call after telephone call shone no light on the mystery. For it seemed every student had now become resident in the local asylum or cemetery. All save for one who remembered the nun and was willing to recall the past. Armitage Baker, an ex-undertaker, and he was breathing his last. Without much delay, Boz made his way to the bedside where Armitage rested. I'm grateful you phoned, the invalid droned in a voice all bitter and festered. For 80 years long, our class held its tongue about what we saw in our youth. But as I'm the last, it's my duty to pass on the horrible, terrible truth. Sister Yvonne, our schoolteacher nun, had many strange customs grotesque, but none so exact as the one where she tapped her stick down hard on her desk. For that was her sign that each pupil combined should slam their desk lids with feather and repeat this long din till she tapped out again and the lesson went on as before. This strange routine was practiced between sometimes five to ten times a day. Yvonne's stick would tap, and we would all wrap our lids without word or delay. Until during spring term, a pupil called Worm, a rebellious yet clever big head, asked what would happen if we ignored the tapping, and slowly the idea spread. It was finally agreed that as a class we'd not follow Yvonne's third command, all of our lids would stay shut when she bid us to follow her oddball demand. I remember that day as if yesterday. He stood reaching for paracetamols. Armitage paused as the memory caused him to shiver right down to his smalls. And then he went on. The first time Yvonne beat her desk with her lid, we obeyed. The second time, too, we all followed through. But then we all turned afraid. The minutes went slowly and classmates looked wholly about to go back on their word. But suddenly quick came the tap of the stick. But not a desk lid could be heard. 
Instead of the clatter, the silence was shattered by a sound that made us all start. As the nun sat before us, she completely uproariously began to expel a long fart. With no nose to hide it, the farts caused a riot of derisory schoolboy laughter. And the look of disgrace on the old sister's face made us laugh all the more ever after. But then we all changed our tune when we saw in the room Yvonne leap to her feet and then run. Weeping and wailing through the pain she went sailing and that was the end of the nun. She hit the ground hard and died in the yard, still clutching her stick by her side. And all classmates agreed, not a word would we breathe about how we had caused her demise. Armitage stopped, and then his jaw dropped as if he had breathed out his last. And Boz went away with no thought of delay or ever again to teach class. So that is the end of my ghost story, friend, said the hunchback, looking up from the flames. But he was alone. The board campers had gone, and so he called them rudely. That was so amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Sylvie. <laughs> Did you, is this based on true life? <laughs> what? No. Are you calling out, are you calling out old professors and mining old traumas? Uh, old a friend of mine, and, and um, he told me that story, and we both decided to uh, make it into a, uh, he made it into a Sherlock Holmes story. Oh, right. <laughs> years and years and years ago, but I'm still doing mine, and he's forgotten about his. <laughs> <laughs> I love Worm. That's a great character. Yes. Well, nothing else rhymed with whatever that word was supposed to be. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> term. Term. What rhymes with term? Me. This is an example of poetic form and the restrictions therein lending like freeing up creativity exactly exactly it frees you it gives you exactly. more exactly actually okay just randomly like well not randomly this is it's relevant i'm like giving a presentation at oxford in september oh, and then i'm in oxford oh uh, really um yeah, where, where, where's this happening um oh god i'd have to look at i'd have to look what college it is up but it's like that's literally the title of the of the presentation is a poetic form lend like freeing creativity instead of restricting it that's actually like i mean that's not a word but that is um right. I, I would go with that well cool. i'll sit like i'll i'll, tr I'll try to find the thing or, or maybe i'll send it out to the but yeah it's, it's really weird that i'm doing that i'm kind of pissed i can't like ride my motorcycle down to oxford and... <laughs> <laughs> right. um okay so next is christine hi christine But well, how do you follow that? <laughs> no, <right? laughs> Completely different. Um, I've been away uh, caravanning, so there's quite a few about that. The first one's called uh, Bird Swept Opaque Skies. Bird swept opaque skies within air moisture filled, unmoving, sodden. When heavy on the land, muted colours rain, soft ochre greens and straw-tipped glass, whilst in drenched pools spots of bright lime blaze. Alongside, 
dry stone walls tumble and fall, a semi-wild sheep wander and graze with tattered fleece, which drag and trail. An aeroplane hurls itself through the air and roars its pain as fuel burns and engines churn. Tourists look through thickened glass and idly glance at the land below. Clouds drift before their disinterested eyes, smudging their vision before they turn back to the in-flight screen and bury their brain in its mindless flicker. The land does not see or hear its passing, nor does the air retain its path. The sky remains white and moist, the ground muted and soft, and sheep continue to wander in disjointed flocks as the day trades its hours with the incoming night. That's the first one. Oops. Uh, the second one uh, is called Curtailed, and this was prompted by a black and white photograph that uh, I don't know if anybody else saw, Pauline May put up, she puts up some quite good photographs. Um, and uh, it's about um, like the 50s and 60s and women really. Right, trussed up, fussed up, courses wriggle tight, teetering, wobbling on spiky ankle turner heels above. Seamed stockings, revealing the magic zone twigs, bare flesh and garter belt. With a pencil skirt and hobbled knees, tiny footsteps totter over pavement curbs. Prissy hat and fussy blouse make a prim and very proper. Baby words and simpering breath. In the kitchen, frilly pinny, tightly knotted. Wifey safely in the home, cheese straws, strawberries and cream. Screaming brats and absent fathers down the pub supping pints. Mothers in their fortress houses, locked away from the world. No pill-shaped key or pirate radio, instead the archers and the BBC. Women, all before their time, tortured curls and chemical perms, while cigarette smoke curls bleakly from drooping lips. Underpaid, undervalued, baby machines and kitchen maids. In desperation, backstreet abortionists thrive and leaves and lives bleed out in pain and misery. So, where were the good old days? This golden time when all was well, as insubstantial and unreal as a dream. You know, this is you know how people talk about the good old days and weather, really. <laughs> um, this one's called um, Blood Poppies Amidst the Gold. These have all been written in the last couple of weeks, really. Um, blood poppies amidst the gold, petal flags flying side by side with the cut wheat, stalks flattened underfoot, spray of petals landing face down, pebbled teeth beneath, branches watching the sun spray beams scuttering across the fields, hungry leaves waiting for life-given light, a scarecrow tossing its hair in the wind, its feet dancing and straining to leave its tethered wooden pole. Footsteps sounding on the path as birds quieten and scuttle into the long grass. A badger pokes his head out, snout stiff sniffing, querying information from passing sense, who withdraws his head and downward descends. The wildwood on the farmer's field pass the day in tandem dreams of what is and what might have been. 
And if I've got time, a quick last one. I did this this afternoon when I, <laughs> I was walking along. There's like a, a cycle path, which is an old disused railway line. This is just at the back from where, where I live. So I quite often walk up there. And I've called it spider branches legging across the land. And I must go back tomorrow and take the photograph of this, what I saw. Um, spider branches legging across the land, grey and crackled, encrusted with dead eyes, snaffling beside the path, lurking in the green, donning false colours, hidden, not seen. The spider limbs twitching into light, as with a spring that pounced and struck, the unwary had definitely run out of luck. Belly filled, it lurched, returning to its lair beside this cycle path. Dormant for a while, digestive juices working hard then. As its stomachs rumbled, it stumbled back into life, its spider branches legging across the land, grain crackled and encrusted with dead eyes. That's it. Well, I've got more, but I don't take time. <laughs> You just wrote that this afternoon. Yeah. It's good to get fresh feedback, just like boom, boom, boom. I wrote a couple this afternoon, actually. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to read another one? Oh, well, I'll read the other one if I can find it. Hang on. Oh, um. Yeah. It's called Footprints in the Rock. Footprints in the Rock of Long Ago Giants Gone. Remind us of what once was etched in stone. Magna underneath, still rumbling with the heat that warmed the feet of that passing giant. The sky above, still filled with clouds and sun that strides renew each day. The nighttime hours still moonlit bright and stars that hide and flicker with intermittent silvery light. As each of us tread through time an instant, one blink and then we're gone. No footsteps of ours remain behind. We disappear like grains of sand washed and thrown by the winds of time. So that was my two for the day. <laughs> that's a quite a bit, that's quite a productive day. That's interesting. Um, Bart? You take it. Ah. Yeah, oh, cool. Away. Am I going to come up on the screen or what? Can you hear me? Yeah, cool. Okay, okay. Nice. Um, so yeah, I'll do this one. I think I've read an earlier version of this poem before. Um, it's about um, a character from Castabine. Well, it's kind of based on a character from Castabine, which is a town in Kerry where um, I was born and where my dad's from. And um, there used to be like a lot of characters, like this guy was called Greengrass, and it was like Harry Jimmy, and a lot of kind of old characters. Um, my uncles, my great uncles who lived on an island until they were like, until they were both 88 years old. Um, and like, yeah, a lot of old characters, but now like my dad's kind of really one of the only ones left around really. But, um, you know, they, they're all, they all had their quirks, these people. But anyway, this is the poem, Dimba Damba, Green Grass. A soft wind lifts the fields feel, past the science of photons and atoms, 
different distances of meaning spoken through the twilight sky and its dark mountain. Within curving slopes, pine trees make a forest. Birds create song, sheep roam freely beside and overlooking lakes are the homes of people whose names enact a nod to life's steady and contingent repetition. Auntie M, daughter of M, daughter of M, daughter of fat rock, wolf, son of wolf, son of wolf, son of skylark, son of traveler. In the town of Fat Rock, famous for its own type of blood footage, lived a man who over time acquired many names like Timbadamba and Greengrass, alongside rumors of a small fortune he was sitting on. Each evening, he'd make an excuse, sneak off, and wander alone to the square where the new hot dog van stood and buy himself a one euro hot dog to have on the green benches to the side. This snag of stealthy business became a bond half legend for the fleeting age of the popular Eurodog. Legend had a penchant for spilling from the brook of Greengrass's personal ploys into Fat Rock folklore. Police knocked the door down over six barrels in his yard. He told people he was collecting for a race and got logged with rainwater. But were actually filled with potato bimba for my feet and terrible back pain. When he passed on to greener grasses, he left all to his sister and his nephew who moved into the small shaded family home. Different body, same facial expression, they'd say, that sinks more than it rises, joined by a fast nod and a hello that carries the mind to the top of the town where it looks back from a field. Uh, yeah, that's that one. Um, so this next one's more of a song. Kind of not that I write songs, not that I'm really <laughs> musical or anything. I, I I have a typewriter that I play around with sometimes, and I sometimes perform a little bit, a bit like drums. Um, and I sometimes write with it and mess around. And this is kind of how I wrote this poem, kind of messing around with the typewriter. Um, so it's called Scratched CD. And if I was a record and you were through, then would this part? And if I was the record and you were skipping through. You would this part. And if I was a wreck, and if I was a record skipping through, then you this part. And if I was a brand new song, and if I was a brand new song, and you were skipping through, then would this part. And if I was a brand new song skipping through you this part. And if I was a scratched CD, and if I was a brand new song, and if I was a brand new skipping through, and if I was a brand new song, and you were skipping through, then you would this part. And if I was a brand new song, and you were skipping through, then you this part. And if I was a brand new song, and you were skipping through me, then you would miss this part. Um, and I'll do one I wrote today. A bit strange. Um, it's called The Song of Everything, which is a bit of a cringe. <laughs> title, but it, the title didn't start at the beginning. You know, I, I didn't set out and say I'm going to write a, a poem called "The Song of Everything." I just kind of had that in at the end. But um, right here it goes. Knowing arrives here, a whale song born from deep oceans, traversing salty caves, past fears made us too lazy to explore. Space comes breathable inside movement. This pen scribbling across paper lightens the sole torch that burns water as fuel. 
each window holds a song of everything. Outside pain float notes and instruments. Inside pain, the same thing. Even with years of practice, the height of a stone pier will likely remain the same. Instead, waves wilt, murky moves on, the current lifts weeds from the sea floor where anchors cut deep, as the ethereal surface gives back no reflection. Mm. Yeah, that's it. I think it's pretty punk. It's nice to keep it pretty punk. Mm. All right, yeah, thank you. Oh my gosh, it's my turn. I am so nervous today for multiple reasons. One, I made these crazy cheese-filled little pot pastries this morning, and I ate one, and I should have only eaten a half. And so I am so nervous. I'm almost like shaky just because I'm going to do something I've never done before. Um, I've never written a song. This is like the total song day. I don't know. It's funny how we have themes and we don't have themes and we don't mean to have themes, but suddenly there they are. Like Aaron had a song and now Bart had some songs and he talked about songs. And and that one, that first one you read that was like a song was like, it's reminded me of Gertrude Stein, like how she keeps going around the same idea and around and around in the language. I, I enjoyed it very much. Okay, so I wrote a song. <gasps> and I'm really, I'm really nervous. And um, it's so sweet that it might be too saccharine. And so we're going to see what happens. I'm so embarrassed, and I have a really mediocre voice. So, uh, woo, here we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sam, you are my jam. My oof, Let me get my voice back together. Sam, you are my jam, my jelly, and my peanut butter. I'm over the moon. And you are a star. Damn, if you'd be my man, I'd worship you unlike no other. Please walk into a room. I'll give you my heart. Gravity feels lighter around you. I float in the air for an extra sec. Oh, I can't. I gotta change the octave because I can't. It goes too low in the key of C. I float in the air for an extra second or two. When you smile, please stay for a while longer. Boy, how I would enjoy licking all of you. My ice cream cone hungry for your time. I'll laugh at all your jokes. Boy, if I could employ all of you, work you to the bone, please. Won't you stay a while? We can share a smoke. Gravity feels heavier around you. I sink to the earth for an extra second or two. When you smile, please stay for a while longer. And then there's like a bridge where it's like, just imagine the piano, right? This infantile crush kills everything. 
throw me under the bus until my heart stops beating. Can't I make you understand? Of course there are no rules. Fun, imagine times, and who is cold? Damn, I had a solid plan. Of course I am a fool. I'm forever blind, that's why I'm so bold. Gravity does not exist without you. Black hole grabs my soul a million light years or two. When you smile, please stay for a while. Longer, longer, longer. Yay, that's my song. I'm so embarrassed. I can't sing. Yay. Yay. That's all I'm doing today. It's my embarrassing song. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. That was awesome, Pam. <laughs> it's in the key of C, but it goes like it's too high to start and too low to end, and it's just like my voice just can't, like, you know, handle it. I need a real singer and a person who can play guitar. But I wrote a song. Ah, I stretched myself. Yay. I can tell the melody, and it's pretty sophisticated. Oh. Well, thanks. Yay, you loved it. Yay, I'm oh, so happy. Yay. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks. I was, that's the thing is, like, I feel comfortable enough to do this in front of you, although I am still, like, shaking. Like, I'm just so nervous. I don't, I don't like to perform when I don't, when I feel like I'm not good enough or that I know what I'm doing. Like, I'm no Erin Gannon. My God, she's a singer songwriter. Amazing. And so I'm like, ah! okay, who's next? Ben Peasy said, said that if you're not pushing the line between complete failure and like that you're not really doing anything worthwhile, not pushing the line between, but if you're not pushing that, you know, of total embarrassment. <laughs> Every time I get on stage. <laughs> acid recently, the Keezy, the Keezyan philosophy is brewing in our heads. Um, is that, do, do you have anything more? Nope, I just, that's, that's all I can handle today. I had to, I, I've been working on that song all week and I just, okay. I, I mean, it's all I've been thinking about and I figured it out on the piano and I've got like, and I'm, oh, really? I'm yeah, yeah. Cause I have a piano here and I, but I, I was just so inspired and I've never written a song before and, and, um, and, and, and the, oh, this yeah. is the only place I can sing it because if I do it in front of any comedians, everyone will know who the song is about, and then I'm mortified. And then it's going to be the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> I think I could definitely. Thank you so much. Yay, All right. Yay. Well, so um, I'm going to – well, we should just unmute then, and that's the show, right? Like, anybody else? Like anybody else? Well, Hal said she wanted to. She just wanted to listen. Do you want to go, Holly? I um, I've written a couple of things this week, but they're still sort of first draft. I'm not really ready to read them yet. It's up to you. If anybody else wants to go, we can. I, I like just read it. <coughs> I Ross left. It looks like. Well, this Ross did not. There is a Ross here. That is not on the list. No, that, that Ross is. And the other Ross, Punt, Ross Punton has, like, he has signed off. No, no, he's right there. Are, they, are there two of them and they're the same person? No, no, that's Ross. I'm looking at his face right now. <laughs> well, I'm looking at Ross's face too, and I'm, 
and I was asking him to unmute, but then I don't know. I don't know if I don't know. It might just be technical difficulties. All right. Ah, there he well, is. He just oh, unmuted. Well, there he, he is. just unmuted. Yeah. He's unmuted. Yes, no. Yep. Yeah. yeah, for some reason um, I kept getting messages. For some reason my laptop wasn't so wasn't supposed to, wasn't supposed to be disappeared. I don't know why. Um Yeah, that's weird. Well like that logo upstairs upstairs. The padlock. But it kept it kept it it kept staying there a bundle of music for some reason. I had to go on my settings. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Oh no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, okay. Um am I still okay to do to do one then I thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, this is one about um it's about what I hate it's about the fallen modern life I hate. It's called Meeting an old friend on Facebook. Hey, hello, old friend. Imagine meeting you. Why, yes, that's me. The shy one. Anyway, good to see you. But wait, don't just pass on through. Look at my wall. It's piled high. So much to share. So much to see. So much to show you. Yeah, I am out with friends in restaurants at a party. Everyone likes me. Oh, bye. Hello again. Haha, see that joke of mine? Take a look. Like what you see? What a wit. Wait, there's more. Don't leave me. Remember this? Here's me, five years ago. Look at that pic. I look so good. I was the king of the world. You like? What do you mean that's not how you remember me? I am not stuck in the past. See here? Yeah, I am my new car. See? See? No, wait, don't go. Fine. Who needs you anyway? I've got lots of friends on here. Facebook? Anyone there? Like me, please. Um, that's time for more short one. That's yep. so funny. Like me, please. That's so funny. Okay, this, this, this is about people who haven't been in a nightclub. It's called Thanks for Advice. An unknown person approached me the other night, walked over uninvited to where I stood, and one of the amazing trifle things she had to say, don't frown, smile, she said, and left with jolly bob of her head. Well, what can I say? The thankless do-gooder who went out of her way. I'll tell you. Cush off, you interfering, no-nothing busybody. I was actually enjoying my day. Empty and was. Um, oh, there's one good for the short one. Sorry for all the technical difficulties before. You can go ahead. Oh, um. I only want to do those, um, those two, really. That's great. Oh, those two. Oh, okay. No worries. I thought you were saying so that you wanted funny. to, that you had two, a couple more short ones. Well, I was going to do three originally, but I kind of feel like, um, because of all the technical issues that, um. No, you, you can do a third. No, you should do more because of the yeah. tech. <laughs> exactly. The Facebook uh, one was so funny. Uh, <laughs> I wrote this one years ago. Uh, this is, um, seems that technical issues. This is why I hate email. I'm, I'm aware that I repeat the same word here. 
but I really should change it to be quite frankly, I've just never I've never actually bothered. <laughs> it's an old and sounds very good. Why I hate emails. Also correct. I wish you understood my dialect. Why night fight which is getting so much strife? Each phrase is wrong, but need a letter go on for so long. I only want to write a letter. I know I could do better. Things would be so much easier to say without technology in my way. The cause be strong, but I know my words are always wrong. Oh. Uh, that's it. Um, thank you very much for letting me read. Thanks, Ross. And then I guess thus comes to a close another episode of Choose Poetry, Choose Life. Yay! And now we can all unmute ourselves and chat. Well, I then I'm going to pull us out of the radio because then everyone can feel safe to do that thank you guys all again i can't i can't wait until next week every single week is like i feel challenged and i feel supported and i love everything that's happening and everyone in this group is so not a dick and i just love that and aaron and andy you holding it down and keeping it together and yay poetry so thank you everybody this week and i'll see you all next week yay Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Anti-Trump is the antivirus or antibody to the Trump virus. We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19th, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old... He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic health care systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department.
what what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why why are we? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling. He was like, "Move it, bitch! Move it, bitch!" And uh, and uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm just not. I'm not moving it. You know. I've arrived. Why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. One one five three four zero one nine seven six, and it does not spell anything. One one five three four zero. One nine seven six. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? Streaming live the station. Mutinyradio.fm. District of the Mission. Mutinyradio.fm. Mutinyradio.fm. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun! Time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, 
there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you 